Welcome to Signal from the Noise by Podcast Notes, the best ideas from the world's best podcasts in minutes. Please enjoy the notes from the Y Live with Celine LaBeouf, Overthink Podcast with Ellie Anderson and David M. Peña Guzman episode of Overthink. Claim. Check out the Overthink Podcast episode page and show notes. Key books mentioned. The Myth of Sisyphus by Albert Camus. Camus' philosophical perspective on the absurdity of human existence and the search for meaning. Is Life Worth Living by William James? The essay finally captured Celine's imagination and gave her a sense that life was worth living. Why Live? The Three Authors Who Saved Me During an Existential Crisis by Celine LaBeouf. Celine shares her journey of confronting an existential crisis and finding meaning in life. She describes how the works of three authors, Albert Camus, Leo Tolstoy, and William James, helped her to navigate her crisis and ultimately find a sense of purpose and meaning in her life. Why Bother? Is Life Worth Living? by John J. McDermott. McDermott suggests that we should look for meaning in the middle of life, in the actual unfolding of our existence. Death and the Afterlife by Samuel Sheffer. This book explores the dilemma of finding meaning in a world that will eventually come to an end. Sheffer presents a doomsday scenario where an asteroid will bring an end to human existence, and asks readers if they would still find meaning in their current activities, including scientific research and artistic creation. A Confession by Leo Tolstoy. In this autobiographical work, the Russian author Leo Tolstoy describes his own existential crisis and search for meaning. He describes his experiences of depression, despair, and spiritual crisis, and ultimately finds solace in a more spiritual and religious worldview. Intro. Ellie and David team up with Celine LaBeouf, underscore LaBeouf, a philosopher and an expert in existentialism. Celine LaBeouf shares her insights and perspectives on the search for purpose, drawing from her own experiences of confronting an existential crisis together. The trio explores a range of topics, from examining the role of religion and spirituality in finding meaning, to grappling with the existentialist philosophy of Albert Camus and his concept of the absurd. Check out more notes from the best of all possible philosophy podcasts. Hook up culture. Astrology, dangerous pseudoscience or a harmless spiritual system? Hosts, Ellie Anderson, David M. Peña Guzman, at DR, Peña, Guzman 1. To be or not to be, how Hamlet's soliloquy explores our fear of death. Ellie quotes the famous to be or not to be soliloquy from Hamlet. David notes that this soliloquy captures a universal feature of human experience, the moment when we confront the ungroundedness of our own existence. Ellie agrees and interprets this as an existential issue, we are the kinds of beings for whom our being is an issue, Heidegger's Dasein. Death is the place from which no traveler returns. David points out Hamlet's association of death with an undiscovered country, a place from which no traveler returns, which injects dread into us because of our absolute unconditional ignorance about it. Ellie notes that death is the end of all experience, and strictly speaking, nobody has experienced death. David says that Hamlet goes the other way and recognizes that awareness of our ignorance about death makes us all cowards, as we don't know what we're getting into. Albert Camus and the Search for Meaning in a Meaningless World Albert Camus believes that the problem of suicide is the only truly serious philosophical problem. He says that most people live their lives in a routine, mechanical life, but that there are moments that force them to confront the absurd. 
the absurd involves a relation between the inhuman and the human and the realization that there is no security of meaning in the world. The world's silence in the face of our desire for meaning can hit us in the face in the most random ways, such as when someone asks us what we're thinking about and we realize we haven't been thinking at all. Realizing you've been lost in a kind of empty nothingness can trigger recognition and a confrontation with the absurd. Camus associates the absurd with the inhuman, and not thinking triggers an existential crisis. Even the smallest detail can tip things over the balance and become the feather that broke the camel's back. David gives an example of how we experience time and our existence differently as we age. In our teenage years and twenties, we look forward to the future, but once we enter our thirties, we begin to experience anxiety and fear of death as we become aware of our mortality. This realization creates a sense of absurdity in our existence, as we desire to exist, but we are aware that our existence is finite. That too is a kind of relationship between our humanity and the inhumanity of death itself, and therefore the absurd. Quote, the awakening to the absurd isn't triggered by anything external, it's this perception of the nothingness in which the nothingness itself speaks. Ellie Anderson. Camus draws inspiration from previous philosophers, including Kierkegaard and Heidegger, in his exploration of the concept of nothingness and how it can be perceived. Nothingness itself cannot be the cause of something since it is, by definition, nothing. However, certain circumstances may lead to the perception of nothingness more than others, such as a certain level of material security or physical state. They also discuss the example of Sisyphus, who is doomed to roll a boulder up a hill for eternity. Sisyphus embodies the absurd man who refuses to give up on life despite knowing that he will suffer immensely and that there is no higher purpose or afterlife to justify his suffering. Sisyphus affirms life by embracing the absurdity of his own condition. Quote, so what this myth figure embodies is a combination of lucidity, again, that awareness that there is no higher purpose and a lack of hope for salvation, but that doesn't turn into a desire for suicide so Sisyphus affirms life in an absurd way by embracing, rather than mitigating the absurdity of his own condition. David M. Peña Guzman Helping others as a path to meaningful existence David discusses the difficulty of accepting absurdity on its own terms and questions whether the absence of transcendental meaning means the absence of all hope. He mentions John J. McDermott, an American philosopher who wrote an essay called Why Bother? Is Life Worth Living? McDermott argues that Camus was wrong in thinking that the absence of transcendental signification or justification for life means that we have to be entirely hopeless. McDermott suggests that we should look for meaning in the middle of life, in the actual unfolding of our existence. He introduces the amelioration pathway, which is the pathway into existentialism, saying that the answer to the question, why live, is another question, can I believe in helping others even when I know there is no absolute solution to human suffering? McDermott justifies continuing to live not for ourselves but for the sake of helping others. He concludes by saying that without the hope that we offer, help cannot fix the fundamental indifference of the world to our need for meaning. David mentions that McDermott's position is much more collective action-driven existentialist, whereas Camus remains extraordinarily individualistic. The three authors who saved me, Dr. Céline LeBuff's Reflections on Existentialism. In the article Why Live, the three authors who saved me during an existential crisis, LeBuff talks about experiencing an existential crisis in her early 30s. The crisis made her question the meaning of life, and she felt unsatisfied with the idea of her life built around tasks, mechanical life. 
she hoped to pursue her life in some sort of alternate form through books, publishing stuff, having children, contributing to communities, political organizations, religious organizations, etc. However, the idea of having an impact itself is relatively short-lived, and when she thought hard enough about it, it led her to a sense of futility and weariness. The crisis made her feel a sense of fatigue outside of her professional life, but she still did her best with regular job-related tasks. Get an instinct as a philosophy professor to dig into works on the meaning of life to help her through the crisis. She was familiar with many of the texts that she ended up rereading over the course of that journey as she was a TA in grad school for a course on the meaning of life. Many of her students identified with the type of question that bothered her at the beginning of her crisis. The tradition is to turn to religion for this type of question and to find answers in it. Celine recommends that people faced with this type of crisis turn to philosophy or texts from their own tradition and then expand outwards. Turning to religion from philosophy or vice versa can be helpful when faced with an existential crisis. People from different religious backgrounds often turn to texts from their traditions for answers to questions about the meaning of life. It's also possible to turn to philosophical texts or texts from traditions that one is not yet familiar with. Exploring different texts and traditions can be a way to find answers to questions about the purpose of life. Finding meaning after an existential crisis, three pathways explored. The three paths out of the existential crisis that Celine talked about in her essay, the religious pathway, the atheistic pathway, and the spiritual pathway. The religious pathway, Leo Tolstoy. Celine starts with Tolstoy, whom she found interesting because of his sense of weariness, which she also experienced. Tolstoy tried to find meaning in life by extending his life through works of art, but that wasn't enough. He also turned to people around him, who did not understand the question of the meaning of life any better than he did. Finally, he found a sense of whether life is worth living from the Russian peasantry, who had a deep sense that life was worth living. For Tolstoy, if you followed a certain set of religious principles and adopted certain ethical rules, you could aspire to something like heaven, but bridge your finite life and give it a sense of meaning. Although Tolstoy's logic appealed to her, Celine did not like the embrace of irrational knowledge that he called for. The Atheistic Pathway, Albert Camus Celine then discusses the atheistic path represented by Albert Camus, who rejects the idea of taking the leap of faith, Camus believes that you will not find a grand meaning to life, and he thinks that embracing an attitude of defiance and scorn will allow you to find joy in life. However, Celine finds this conclusion unconvincing and could not adopt that kind of mindset. Celine agrees with Ellie that Camus' idea of finding meaning through a different kind of attitude is somewhat ineffectual because it reduces the need to change your life to make it more fulfilling. She thinks that there are material conditions that foster our thriving and others that don't, and it's in our best interest to put ourselves in the way of those conditions that foster our thriving. The Spiritual Pathway William James Celine found William James's life worth living very helpful in overcoming her crisis. She discovered the text by googling his life worth living. William James gave a lecture in 1895 to the Harvard YMCA, which Celine found captivating. James identifies a dilemma where one is rooted in skepticism and does not see the point of going on, caught in the type of question Celine was caught in at the beginning of her crisis. James believes that one does not have to embrace irrational knowledge and should rebel against traditional conceptions of religion before taking a new step in some other direction. 
James believes in building a spiritual outlook based on two ideas. We should honor the legacies of those who came before. Hope can help us find our footing and reclaim our will to live. Celine found James' metaphor of mountain climbing and making a leap with confidence more compelling than Sisyphus rolling his boulder up the hill. James' outlook gives a sense of hope that beyond our finite life, there is a grand realm that will make sense of our sufferings and the suffering of others, which allows us to find our footing. Ellie comments on how hope can help us act and goes against philosophical accounts of hope that associate it with mere wishing. Embracing the maybe, finding meaning in life through action and uncertainty. Behavioral activation, doing things even if you don't feel like doing them, can help overcome depression much more than just collecting thoughts and trying to find a reason to go out and do things. Ellie wonders about the people who find it impossible to move from having a crisis to taking any activity at all. Some people find it impossible to move from the step of having a crisis to taking any activity at all, and this raises the classic philosophical problem of acrasia, weakness of will. David and Celine discuss the dilemma people face during a crisis, sink deeper into nihilism or try something else. Quote, I gave Tolstoy, I gave Camus, Wolf, a bunch of other people a shot, and James finally captured my imagination, gave me a sense that life was worth living, Celine LaBeouf. James talks about a climber facing an impasse and must make the choice to either get stuck in the mountains or make the leap. Kierkegaard also uses metaphors of jumping and leaping in either slash or scenarios, which are undecidable. For James what matters is not focusing too much on the landing and over-rationalizing the safety or effect of the jump. David questions whether James is hoping for a grandiose meaning or simply hoping to continue the interrupted journey. Celine explains that for James the hope is not just to recommit to life but to cultivate a sense that there may be a realm that redeems your actions. James is not dogmatic in saying this realm exists or that one must believe in it to find meaning in life. We all act on maybes every day, and the fact that there are maybes in life should not impede our ability to take action. Exploring beyond the three categories, relationships, art, and science. Ellie wonders if there might be other sources of meaning beyond these three categories. For example, science can be an opportunity to participate in something larger than ourselves, while art can be an existential anchor. Ellie also mentions a study from Harvard that showed that the biggest source of happiness in people's lives is their relationships. Celine thinks artistic creation and scientific research can still be relevant sources of meaning. She recommends a book called Death and the Afterlife by Samuel Sheffer, which explores the dilemma of finding meaning in a world that will eventually come to an end. Sheffer presents a doomsday scenario where an asteroid will bring an end to human existence, and asks readers if they would still find meaning in their current activities, including scientific research and artistic creation. He argues that these paths only have meaning if there is hope that humanity will continue on for some good amount of time. Celine agrees with Sheffer's outlook and thinks that we need to find a response to these paths along the lines that she adopted in her article. David adds to the conversation by mentioning James's notion of honoring the legacy of those who have come before us. He says that this is a backward-looking perspective that also implicitly includes a forward-looking perspective. By honoring the past legacy in our present life, we can contribute to that legacy and hope that down the road, others will honor our legacy as well. That wraps up the notes for this episode. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. Don't forget to go to podcastnotes.org and subscribe to our free newsletter. The Top 10 Ideas of the Week. Every Monday.